I want to go back a little bit um, because Pastor Joe always says, and Jennifer always talks about, you don't pull a verse out, make it your own, and then that's it. You know, you have to do what goes on around it. So I want to go back to the beginning of Women's 5-5 and just kind of read through that again, just so that we can put all the pieces together as to why that verse is so impactful. So 5-5, uh, five, five. therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access into this grace and glory in which we stand as rejoice in the hope of God's glory. Not only this, but we also rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance, character, character, hope. But we can overcome this feeling because hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It, it can't have been a better story. But again, my, my life for 50 years felt hopeless. Um, I, I, I endured suffering that I didn't think that I could get through or that I could even seek forgiveness in myself or that God would rain down and, and give me that sense of forgiveness um, in my life. Um, I grew up in a very small little community in Connecticut. It was about as rural as it comes. And I kind of kidded yesterday as everybody's trying to get out of California to go to that rural living. I came out of the rural living and came to California. So I'm kind of the auditing. And I actually love California. So, you know, um, but it was an idyllic life. I mean, back then you got up in the morning, your parents sent you out of, outside. You stayed outside all day long. You played until it was dark and you came back. There was no internet. There was no phones. There was no nothing to keep track of you. You just were trusted out there and you went out. But again, that same ideal life does comes with, with things that you're not prepared for in life. There are things in life that come at you that you're not prepared for. I did have church. I did, um, I, back then everybody was either a Methodist or Congregational or a Baptist or a Catholic. If you all had kind of these religions, I never kind of thought of it as Christian religion. I just, I knew, I knew Christ. I learned about Christ. I went to Bible studies and I sang in the kids' choir. I could name all of my psalms. And I did all those things, but I, I didn't really have a connection that I feel like I could really hang my hat on. When I was um, 11, year old, 11 years old in my uh, naive little life, um, Everything was fun. Everything was a game. And my brother approached me and said, do you want to play a game? And then he sexually assaulted. And I, you know, I'm not doing this for any, any other reason, but to show that when suffering hits your life, if you're not ready for it, how it can take you down, how it just takes your hope away. And I just didn't know what to do. 
I said, it's like the parable of the sower, you know, that, that when seeds are planted, they have to be planted at the right time. God's seeds have to be planted when, when you're, you're ready to receive them. And I knew enough about God, but I was not ready. I didn't have the fullness of God in my life. And so it, it, it literally took me down. Um, I was a different person after that. I, was angry. I didn't know what part of my life. We had to pretend that we got along. He was still there, but obviously, you know, I was scared. I was scared and I didn't know how to stop things. And it took a couple of years before I, I finally realized I didn't even have the birds and the bees. I didn't even understand what was going on. Um, but it led me to a life that really wasn't a happy life for me. I, I, I never really appreciated. I, I didn't know how to connect to people. I didn't know how to love anybody. I played at it. I did all the right things, but I just didn't really have it in me. I uh, decided to become a nurse. Um, I'm not sure that that was my calling more than that was the opportunity. You know, you're talking about back in the 70s, you were either a teacher, a nurse, or a secretary. There was limited opportunities. And I guess that sounded better, you know, that I could be a nurse. Maybe, maybe I could do something good out of that. And so I did. Um, and so I went to nursing school um, close to home. It's my first time being away from home. Um, I met a, met a gentleman or young boy, because we were all young, we were 18 years old. I, I uh, dated him all through nursing school. And I thought I loved him, but I didn't know what love was. I, I, I still didn't know enough what it was, but everybody else was getting married. So I, I must have to get married, right? But one of the bigger reasons why I wanted to get married was because I couldn't live at home. I had to get out of my house back then the only way you can leave your home was to be married. So I got married and it, it didn't work. Um, I, I, uh, I don't really know what went wrong. He finally decided that he wanted out of the marriage after two years. I still to this day have never asked him why. I just accepted it as my punishment. That, that it was still me who was responsible for that. And so I can't, I, I took it all in. Uh, it was me that created this. It was me who couldn't give enough. And so I didn't ask him. I just accepted it as that way. But I, I, had, I had been starting to do things that were not good in my life. I disrespected myself. I disrespected my body. I got into not heavy drugs, but I was doing drugs. Um, I just didn't have any grounding at all to kind of figure out what to do. Um, another gentleman came in my life, not even passing fancy, not even anybody I knew. And I got pregnant. And I didn't know what to do. 
I had a career. I was working as a nurse. I was working in the neonatal intensive care unit. And I, I needed to figure out what it was going to do. So I worked um, in, the, in the neonatal intensive care all night long, saving babies. And the next morning, I went off and had an abortion. And it's, and there was no going back for me. God was never going to be in my life. I was shamed forever. And I know there's lots of controversy about, you know, abortion and where they're at, what's going on. But there's nothing worse than the shame you feel. And I think that's what Christian women are trying to Prevenience. That God speaks to you in so many ways that if you're not open to it, you totally miss what he is trying to say to you. I can remember the day that I got married to my, my first husband. It was a wicked storm. I mean, Connecticut doesn't really get big storms, but we had tornado watches. We had trees falling. And if I had been paying attention, I probably could have picked up on the, gee, God's saying to you, maybe this is not a good idea. I don't know how much more forcefully he could have been saying it to me because I had all the reasons I could to cancel it. Sorry, it was tornado watches. Let's cancel the wedding. But um, I went through through with it. It was such an out-of-body experience that, that whole day. But when I was um, 24, um, I don't know whether God was speaking to me again. There was an opportunity for me to move to California. Somebody was going out and wanted to know if I wanted to tag along. It's an adventure. Let's go. Well, at the last minute, so I quit my job. I applied for reciprocity for my nursing license and sold my furniture, got ready, and the person that was going with me backed out. But I came anyways. As a 24-year-old in a big city, I landed in LA in the middle of the night. I went LAX, I took a, a bus to the Bonaventure Hotel, two o'clock in the morning. I had scheduled, I had reserved a, a hotel room up the street on the corner of the third and Alvarado. And those of you who know downtown LA, <laughs> I'm horrified <laughs> when I go back now and think. Um, so in the middle of the night, so the next day, I'm like, okay, here it is. I went and I rented a car. By the end of that first week, I had found a place to live. I had a job. I was getting ready to start work the next week. Um, and I worked at LAC USC Medical Center. And this you're talking about 1980. Um, it was pretty intense. My mother loved it because that scene, if you ever, the soap opera, yeah, General, General Hospital, Hospital, right? Yeah. And they drive up that driveway and there's the big hospital on the hill. And I thought, I work there. <laughs> I was a star. I had, a, I had an apartment in, in Hollywood and my address, my zip code was 
90620. Right. I I they, they thought I was the big shot. I was scared out of my mind. I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, but I, I um, arrived, I met my husband, my current husband, my only husband that, <laughs> that, that I will have. Um, but he entered my life at the lowest point that I had. He, uh, his gentle soul, we shared a like interest. We had likenesses in life. Um, he never swore. He didn't drink. He didn't smoke. You know, I was kind of the trash mouth that drank and, you know, but he was everything that I needed to, to be somebody different. Um, we, uh, we moved in together. Um, and about a year after that, he asked me to marry him. And then we started planning a wedding. My husband's Catholic. Um, I'm Methodist. So we went to the Catholic church to see if we could get married And the Catholic church. Um, said, well, are you married before? Yes. Where did you get married? I married in the Methodist church. Well, who married you? Oh, a Catholic priest. Well, you can't get married in the Catholic church. Not unless you get an annulment, which at that point was seven years waiting, begging, trying to, I mean, if you, if, if you've ever known if anybody who's had an annulment, it's, it's not, not a pleasant thing. You had to say that you were so wrong. I don't know if I knew I was wrong. But he, he did, you know, said, okay, well, we're going to get married in the Methodist church. We went and prepared ourselves. We went and met with a minister and the minister said, hey, you've been married before. So, you know, you really need some pre-counseling before you get married. So we went to a Catholic engagement encounter. <laughs> and um, I never loved a man as much as I loved my husband at that moment. He's kept that priest up all night long, begging and begging to allow us to get married in the Catholic Church. And I was, I just, I didn't, couldn't imagine anybody loving me more to want to do that for me. I just I can't even tell you. The day we got married, my husband cried on that altar. And I have never felt so loved. I don't know how to love that. I'm still without hope. I'm still wounded. I plotted through life. I went to work and I gave myself to my work. I cared for sick babies for 20 years. And I'm telling you, that is one of the hardest jobs that you can do. God's not always good. <laughs> And some of, the, some of the things that I saw were not God's finest work. And I, I tried so hard and I was so good at my job, but I just, I just hoped every day I'd go in that I could make it through a shift without somebody dying. Just, just get me through the day. But nobody really wants to hear those stories. Nobody, you can't go home and say, how was your day, honey? And you tell them about your day. They don't want to hear about that. They don't want to hear 
the horrible things that life brings. You know, when I see this, hear about the suffering that these children go through, the parents go through, the, it's just not something you talk about. I was blessed with children. Um, and I have, I have two beautiful children. But I just plodded through life. I just, just couldn't connect. I just didn't know how. I didn't have Christ in my life. I go to the Catholic Church with my husband. I bait, I baptize my children in the Catholic Church. They all received their first communion. But it wasn't home for me. This wasn't where I wanted it to be. My first Catholic service was in Latin, so I didn't even know what they were saying. I'd stand and I'd kneel and I, you know, but I didn't have any connection and they don't really connect with me. So we plotted through life, but life got hard. Every, every little thing that went wrong was my fault. My son struggled in school, it was my fault. When my daughter's heart was broken, it was my fault. When my son got sick, it was my fault. I just, everything was my fault. And I didn't know how to get out of it. But six years ago, my husband and I, our relationship just bottomed out. We were, he was becoming physical with me. It's a man who doesn't have a, bad bone in his body and he was not happy and it was a, not a good time and we ended up in therapy um and i remember going to therapy and the one thing i kept she, what do you want you know this was kind of my own time with her what what is that you want and i kept saying i want church i want to go back to church i want god in my I, I just, I just couldn't figure out how to do it. I was so scared to go back. I know God sent his son down. He had him crucified for our sins. But does that mean everybody's sins? Is it, is it just the little sins? Is it the big sins? I don't know. I mean, does that really mean is God going to be there for me? And I finally decided and looked up in the yellow pages and found La Mirada Christian Church. I live in La Mirada, never knew where it was, but um, I came to the church and I was talking to the secretary, telling her, what, what are you here for? Well, I'm, I'm trying to find a church. I'm church shopping. I didn't know what I was looking for. I, I, I thought that, you know, I could recreate my childhood experience. I could bring it back to something that I knew and was familiar with, but I didn't know what I was really looking for. But I came to first service. Sorry. And the song started playing and I cried. I cried and I cried. I cried through the sermon. I cried through the songs again. I went out and I cried in my car. <laughs> I just was like, but it was like a good cry because I just felt like, oh my God, God was speaking to me. Every time they sang, it was a song to me. Every sermon that was coming, it was, it was the words that I needed to hear. The next week come, I, I didn't know if I could make it, but I came again and I cried <laughs> and I cried some more. 
Shane was the pastor at the time, and he took me under his wing. And he may have had a lot of issues with the church, but he was a man who recognized people for pain. And he, he talked with me and asked me what was going on. And I shared with him that secret. And it was the first time I had said it out loud in 40 plus years. And he was like, it's okay. Let me introduce you to somebody that I think you can relate to. And brought another person over who had the exact same story, who was of Christian faith, who went to the church. I thought, I could, I could do this. I could do this. I still cry at songs. <laughs> but I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to have God back in my life to pray, to have the gospel. I, I brought this along. This was, this was the Bible that was given to me when I graduated from third grade. And I, I found it. I didn't even know I had it, but I was looking for a Bible and I thought, oh my Lord, here it is with my name on it, my, given to me by the, the minister of the church all those years ago and I still have it. So I knew, I knew this was where I needed to be. So I look at things and when you look at hope, hope is such an abstract thing, right? I mean, what is hope? I looked it up in the dictionary. What, what is hope? What is hopelessness, really? What, what does it really look like? It was everything that I had experienced. It was alienation. It was not having that connection with people. It was feeling a sense of forsakenness. It was feeling uninspired, a sense of powerlessness, oppression, downtrodden, crushed under. I felt limitless. There was such doom in my life and I was held captive to that, that I had given to myself. And I, I thought, oh, how am I ever gonna get out? But where, where you go, with the church in your life, having a Christian church, having the gospel, coming to Bible study. I had to learn how to pray and really mean it. And the fellowship that I have now with Jesus Christ, I, I could not go back. And it has totally renewed me. About four years ago, I asked to be baptized, rebaptized, right? Um, and it was such an incredibly uh, spiritual moment that that being brought into that tub of water, being dunked down, and knowing that my sins were going to be washed away, and then I'm going to come out of that water, and I lovingly, shoutingly, you know, dedicated my life to Christ at that moment, and there was no going back. It was such a profound moment. My family was in the audience with me, and I was I was so glad that I could share that with them. Um, I didn't know I was going to go this far today. I, I really struggled with this, and this is twice now that I've told the story. But the second time around, even though I'm crying, I am feeling so good that life is so good for me right now. It says in Ezekiel 
when talking to the Israelites who certainly had their share of suffering and waiting and wondering. The Lord says to you, I will give you a new heart. I will put in a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your body and I will give you a heart of flesh. And from that, I know that I was in the right place. I love reading. I love songs. Um, and I got excited this year. The La Mirada Theater, if you've ever been to the little La Mirada Theater, it's coming back. Um, and the Righteous Brothers are coming to sing, maybe half of the Righteous Brothers. So, <laughs> but one of the my favorite songs from the Righteous Brothers was You'll Never Walk Alone. And I just wanted to share that, share that with you. Long life's good, the long life's road, there will be sunshine and rain, roses and thorns, laughter and pain. You will face a mountain so deep, and sometimes the journey's gentle, sometimes the wind blows, but I want you to know, I want you to know, you will never walk alone. As long as you have faith, Jesus will be right beside you. You will all the, you, right beside you all the way, and you will feel you are far from home, but home is where he is. And he will be there down every road. He will never, you will never walk alone. No, never. It, it sums it all up that I am so grateful to be standing in front of you in front of a room of such wonderful Christian women. And I want you to know that I continue to maybe struggle. Like, like you can't, can't turn up 50 years and make me a saint. Um, but I, I say this story because I want you to make me accountable to that. I want you to know that I appreciate every one of you. And I look to you as my models. I look to you as spiritual guidance. I look to all of you as a way of living my life correctly. And if you see that I'm not, just tap me on the shoulder and remind me that Christ is good, God is good. And as long as you, sometimes as hard as it is to, to figure that out, just hang on to that hope and you will have everything you want in life. I'm gonna be a grandmother this year to two beautiful baby boys within six, three weeks of each other. Um, so I, I am feeling also good about where life is taking me. And I'm glad to be here. I'm glad I never gave up. I never, I was glad I didn't give up on my marriage. My husband is right there with me. When he was sick this last October in the middle of waves of COVID, um, he had a quadruple bypass uh, surgery. And it was the first time that I could say that I was with him with him, not, not worrying about it being about me, that it was not me who did this to him. It was just something. It was just me trying to be there with him. And I'm telling you, he can't say my praise enough. And I am so thankful that he's here, that he believes in me, that he loves me, and that he can be grateful to me. I should have brought the birthday card he gave. <laughs> He may, he may not be able to express himself totally, but by God, he finds the best 
cards. I don't know what it is. It says everything you would want him to say to you in, in black and white. He was just phenomenal. So I have so much to look forward to in life. And I'm thankful for this opportunity to, to share that with you. And I thank you for your patience. Um, we've all been through so much together. All of our roads are bad, but we never, never walk alone. So let's pray. Lord God, you gave us true faith and you make our faith grow in each of us every day. May the Lord bless us all abundantly with rest for our heart, power for virtue, wisdom for life, and patience in our suffering. May the Lord bless you with all your joyful hope and one day with the inexpressible joys of eternal life. Give us hope and love so that we may serve our neighbors according to your will for your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah.